Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me again is Rachel Druckenmiller. Rachel is the founder of Unmuted. She's a national thought leader in the field of employee engagement and well-being, and she has facilitated 300 plus virtual learning experiences in the last two years alone. Rachel is a keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, and a leadership trainer. Let me keep bragging on her. Last year, in 2021, Rachel was recognized by Forbes as a Next 1000 honoree. Rachel has been featured on many podcasts, and I'm so pleased that she was able to kind of join us again. Welcome back, Rachel. Oh, thanks, Mike. We always have, I have to say, the, the podcast we did last time around, The Engaged Exhausted, is still one of the most, one of the podcasts that I've been on that I share most frequently um, because it was, you just ask such great questions and um, it was a wonderful conversation that was super relevant. So thanks for being so good at what you do. Well, thank you. You know, can you believe that has been um, over a year since oh, we've recorded that podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> My goodness. And for wow. those who are listening, we're recording this the very first of May. So it'll probably be into June before this might would be made available. But that topic that we discussed last time, it pretty much informs what you and I discussed as what we should pick up on. And so we've kind of entitled this episode, Recalibrating and Resetting, Navigating the Next Normals. So why don't we just break that title down? Um, Rachel, when you volunteered that as a title, recalibrating and resetting, let's start with that. What do those two terms mean to you? Well, you know, I think, I think in the midst of so much change and uncertainty, there's a need at a certain point to sort of press a pause button or press the reset button and to do some reflection, to do some, to take an inventory of what's working and what's not to apply that to both our professional lives, our careers, and also to our life outside of that. And to even give ourselves an experience of rest and respite, because in the midst of so much change, in the midst of so much stress and tension, I think it's really important that we take a moment to even step away from that. Sometimes a weekend away, sometimes a true weekend off, which I, I don't know about you know everyone listening, but sometimes I feel like there's some part of every weekend where I'm doing some part of work. I mean, being an entrepreneur, I feel like that's can sometimes come with the territory, but you know, to really take a true break and to recalibrate. So I'll give an example of a recent recalibration. Please. My husband and I, we went away for Easter and we, visited friends of ours in Ohio that used to live, they lived near us, they were neighbor, like, you know, five minutes away for 10 to 12 years. Very, very good friends, they've got three kids and they mm -hmm. moved back home to Ohio just before the pandemic started. And the guy was, you know, my husband, one of his, I'd say his local, his best friend locally. And so mm. just really, really big loss. He was in our wedding, you know, to have them move. And so we decided I had to be in Cleveland for work the following week and they live a half hour from where I had to be. So we were like, well, why don't we just go there for Easter? And we had three days uh, at their house and we, we made meals together. We played games. We watched Sing To and, and Ted Lasso and played basketball outside of the guys went golfing. We 
had we just caught up we had time to just be with each other and to not feel rushed we we didn't have to be anywhere else other than where we were in that moment um we were there for their four-year-old daughter's just birthday party with family they had just kind of a small gathering and and we you know played some games the last night we were there just the adults and laughed so hard our stomachs hurt i mean truly those i feel like those moments of laughter are unfortunately more rare than i'd like to admit but i i I left that weekend and the next day i was talking to my business coach and i said he noticed he commented on kind of my demeanor and he said you know i can just sense that there's something really kind of different about your energy and i told him what happened and he he said what i'm sensing is the sense of shalom which shalom meaning peace but also meaning from his perspective nothing missing nothing broken Hmm. And that's how I felt. And that was for me, that was like a re- recalibration and a reset that I had by sometimes it helps to remove ourselves from our normal environment in order to recalibrate and reset. Sometimes it yeah. involves, you know, spending time with other people. And so that, that was just an example of one, you know, three day experience. We're only halfway through the title, but let's go back <laughs> to something you said hit the pause button and so we're recording this on zoom Mm -hmm. when you look at the bottom you see all these icons at the bottom but one of them is pause slash stop Mm. we every single day if you're recording something we can just hit that button and it just does it for you Mm. what is it about you what about me what is about us that hitting the pause button we're so reluctant to do so I think I think we don't I think we're reluctant to do it because we pride ourselves on our usefulness and what we're checking off our to-do list. And so mm-hmm. a pause would require us to not be in that place of doing. And sometimes that place of doing even if it's even if it's exhausting is familiar and comfortable. And so generally speaking, humans gravitate toward the familiar. And so for many of us, the familiar is kind of like we talked about last time, burned out, exhausted, or, you know, overdone, not stopping, uh, focused on achievement and accomplishment. And so we don't take the time to pause because essentially what it does is it interrupts our sense of identity of I'm not someone who pauses and stops and slows down. I'm somebody who keeps going and pushes through. And so I think for part of it, it can be almost this interruption this dissonance with how we see ourselves of, of other people have time to do that. That's a luxury. And for some people, it might not be a luxury. Like if somebody's a single mom or they've got, you know, they're caregiving for somebody and they have, they're living paycheck to paycheck. The reality is for some people, they, they, there may not, it may be harder for them. And I think everybody has the capacity at a bare minimum to pause long enough to reach out to somebody that they know and say, Hey, you have a minute to talk or I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I just, I just need to connect with somebody. Do you have a moment to talk? I think everybody has the capacity to do that no matter how exhausted we are. But I think, I think so, so much of our hesitation is because it, it, it interferes with and interrupts the belief we have about ourselves that our value comes from when we're doing and our value does not come from when we are resting and pausing and stopping. You share an example where, where you, you and your husband went to Ohio and over a three-day period, you just basically unplugged. Yeah. And the things that you did 
are the things that our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents might have just done. And that is you were just with each other, enjoying each other's company. And that sounds like that's something you personally don't do a lot. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, for extended periods of time, there's a moment where it's like, oh, Saturday night, you know, we went to get dinner with a friend and went to an Orioles game. And that was a total of five hours of together time. But there's something about my, my coach, he called it a friendcation. He's like, maybe we need to integrate quarterly friendcations as part of your routine and ritual. Oh, I love it. Great yeah, concept. Like idea, right? A friendcation. And the fact is, it's not like we were tourists. I mean, for Easter Sunday, we they went and did some stuff with their family. And Bill and I went into Cleveland and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and we had lunch together because I was going to be gone from home for the a, a full week after that for work mm. and I wasn't going to mm -hmm. see him for a week and so I said let's let's give ourselves a little bit of recalibration time to be with each other to engage in a novel experience there's something really rejuvenating about engaging in novelty and so going to a place we've never been before um, engaging in an activity that we've never done before that we haven't done in a while that we both enjoy. So that was something that was new. And when we have novelty, there's a certain level of excitement to it, you know? And so I think, I think that's something that, that extended time, even if it's an overnight, we have another friend, they have two boys, they live about 45, 50 minutes from us, one of my best friends from college. And sometimes we have sleepovers. We'll go to their house on like a Saturday afternoon. We'll either get takeout or make dinner together they have a like a theater a small theater like in their basement and so mm -hmm. we'll sit down there and we'll we'll watch a movie on this big screen and then we'll make breakfast together the next day they love games so we play games through the afternoon and we'll usually leave you know 24 ish hours after we got there and that feels like a mini getaway just because again there was no work there was playfulness there was connection and there was engaging in something as a collective that we all benefited from, whether that was making a meal, um, you know, it's usually what it is. So I think that extended time of more than just a few hours is something that is particularly impactful. So you know, I don't want to overanalyze your trip to Ohio, <laughs> but what I'm now understand is that you not only spent really incredible quality time with friends and their family, but while there, you also worked on the relationship with your husband and yeah. you did those things and that would be you said novel um, that you might would not do otherwise yeah. knowing that you're going to have an extended period of time of separation mm -hmm. did you experience a sense of shalom as a result of that oh i mean yeah like that's i mean it lasted with me the, the full week i was at a retreat that week and i the last time i was you know, at this retreat, I felt like I was a lot in my head and I was maybe a bit more guarded and not fully present. I just felt like I was so present because mm. I had been so filled up. I mean, truly in every way, emotionally, mentally, in terms of rest, I slept really well every night at, the, at their house. Like all of the aspects of, of all the little tanks, you know, that are in part of my life were all filled up in some way. So then when I go, went in to start the week, knowing I was going to be away from home, it was it was coming from a place of nothing broken, nothing missing, so that I could be fully present. It was like that feeling of being present is something that I felt I carried with me into the into the week ahead. So such a gift, and I would recommend, I mean, friend, friendcation. <laughs> I'd encourage people to think about someone that 
people you really enjoy being with. That's really life-giving for you. And they have three, I mean, they have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old. So it's not like these are <laughs> easy years of parenting. Yes. But we play, I mean, there's a game called um, Skip Bow. It's a card game that her eight, their eight-year-old son is super into. We played three rounds of it and he just wanted, probably would have played five more if I'd taken five or six more hours to do that. But it was, you know, it was just this really joyful moment of what almost like communal living must feel like a little glimpse of what it must feel like to live in like a cooperative or a communal space. So I, I would just encourage anyone listening to think about who is someone or who are some people or who is a family that I really, whether you're single or married or have kids that I really enjoy being with, that could we, what would it look like if even for a long weekend, we just plan to get together and spend time with each other? What would that look like? Yes. And plan it. You'd- we open by saying the title of this episode is going to be recalibrating and resetting, and we've kind of begun to touch on that. But that after the the colon navigating the next normals, mm-hmm. that term normals plural, what does that mean to you? Well, I think a lot of times after, in the midst of the pandemic, people said, "Oh, we were going to going back to normal," and then eventually, even though some people are still digging their heels in about it, we've come to recognize that ship has sailed. There is no going back to the way things where you can't undo what has happened in the past two years. And we have been fundamentally changed and shifted collectively and individually. So when we think about, I like to make it plural because it's iterative, right? Whatever, what's normal today, six months from now might shift again. And I think one of the things that makes change so hard is when we get tied into one way of how things are. And we have an expectation that that's how it's always going to be. And then when something disrupts that, we're completely thrown off because we're like, uh, you know, it's like GPS rerouting, recalibrating, recalibrating, recalibrating. And and we're in this state of we're constantly having to learn a new way of living or working or doing or being. And that in and of itself can be fundamentally exhausting. So first of all, anyone's feeling exhausted, just want to recognize that that is a normal experience of going through this iterative process of navigating change and understanding new ways of, of how things are. So when I think of the next normals, I think it's just acknowledging that life will continue to change. That thing, there, it was never static before. It's just the degree to which it's changed is so much more pronounced now that we're hyper aware of it. Everyone's collectively aware of it. So I think just acknowledging, making the choice to acknowledge that things are going to continue to change. There's going to continue to be uncertainty. And the extent to which we can recognize that we may not be able to change what's happening to us or around us, but we get to always control our response drawing on Viktor Frankl's work in Man's Search for Meaning, that we always get to choose our response, we always get to choose our attitude, we always get to choose how we show up, no matter what's going on around us. And one of those choices can be, I'm going to accept some of these changes that I may not like, so that I can free up my energy to move forward in a more productive way. Regular listeners know that this is an unscripted conversation, so I'm going to throw one out to you that you probably didn't see coming. Great. I just thought of it, and that is... We know you as a keynote speaker, uh-huh. but your natural personality comes through loud and clear. If you're listening, you can just see that your eyes are lit, lit up. Mm-hmm. If you're watching, you can see how quickly Rachel lights up, she smiles. But when you're on, mm-hmm. you're in a keynote setting, how do you help take whatever it is you're sharing as a keynoter and reduce it to practicality? Is that something that people yearn for? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, people, they absolutely want, they want to walk away from an experience. They want to feel inspired. 
They want to feel a sense of possibility. They want to feel connected. They want to feel more alive and they want to feel equipped to take action. So mm. I was doing a keynote recently with a group of, of women leaders in the higher education space. And after the session, so I talk about unmuting yourself and being bold and courageous and being your own advocate. And that's part of the, the focus of the workshop that I'm going to be doing for Simon Sinek's team is speaking up at, at work. And people left that session. And one of the things I talk about, it might just be a question that I ask, right? A question can open up a whole new world of possibilities for people. So if I say, who gets the best of you and who gets what's left of you, that might, that alone might hit someone in such a way that they're like, Ooh, wow, that alone is getting me to have a realization that's going to get me to shift. Like someone heard that question and then went and apologized to her son and husband for how she's been showing up because she just didn't recognize it. Or I talk about the importance of, you know, not living a life of regret and how the number one regret of people on their deathbed is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Hmm. And that, you know, and how the importance of going for it and be willing to live a life of even if it means a life of rejection so that you don't live a life of regret. And I heard stories after the, the event of one woman was sitting at a table with her peers the next morning talking about how there was this new opportunity that she was saying, I'm not sure if I want to apply. I don't know. And the whole table was like, you've got to go for it. Like you've got to at least try. So it's sort of this, this more confident self emerges in people and, and they, this sense of, well, why not? You know, let me let me go for it. Or another person left, as I talk about my burnout journey in that keynote too, and how we silence ourselves and we don't ask for the help that we need or for what we want, or we don't speak up when we're struggling. And so she left the session and booked two vacations. <laughs> um, yeah, so like people walk away and they do stuff because they feel something. Like we make changes when we feel something. You know, I just realized, you could very easily take on as sponsors travel agencies because you do kind of instill, <laughs> uh, gosh, I just got to get away. Um, you just mentioned in passing, but I want to come back to it. Just uh -huh. before we hit the record button, you shared with me uh, something new that you've been asked to do with yeah. the Simon Sinek organization. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little more about what is it you're going to be doing for them? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be one of their online, live online uh, course instructors which I'm super excited about. And my friend and mentor of mine, Kristen, she connected me to the opportunity. I've known her for maybe four years. And I remember the first time I met her, I, I said to her, I said, I wanna do what, I wanna do like my own version of what you're you're doing. Cause I had heard her speak at kind of like a, 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 an intimate conference and gathering that I was at and about 40 people or so in my industry. And then a year later, I made the decision like I was out, I left my job and I, mm. I launched my own business. So she's like, you said it and then you did it. And um, I, you know, so much of my journey has, so much of how I've gotten to where I am in my career is because I advocated for myself mm. from a very young age of speaking up and asking for what I needed and for what I wanted and inserting myself into opportunities and not being, not being someone who hid my accomplishments, but someone who made them known as a way to help grow my career. And so that's one of the things that I feel passionate about have, helping other people do is to speak up and be asking for a vacation or be asking for support so that you can continue, so that you can recalibrate, so that you can reset. You're not a machine. 
to acknowledge what routines and rituals do I need to put in place to help me create a sustainable life, you know? And so when we build the confidence to speak up and ask for what we need and want, we're more likely to get it. <laughs> you know, you don't ask, you don't, there's, if you never ask, there's a pretty low chance you're gonna get. But if you ask for what you need and want, there's a better chance you're gonna get it because someone might not even know that you needed what you're asking for. We, people are not mind readers, you know? So um, anyway, tangent, but that's, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna be doing. Well, it's a tangent I put you on, just to bring it full circle, the name of your business is called Unmuted, and therefore yeah. you're helping those who you speak to find their voice, to ask for the things that they need, that we all need uh, at our core. One of the things we've talked about today is just the need to be able to push the pause button. It may not be a week. It may not be a long weekend. It could be just a few hours, yeah. but the restorative power of hitting that pause button. Mm -hmm. Rachel, you know, given the theme of this podcast and because of who you are and what you do, would you think of a situation where either you or someone you know got stuck? And what did it take to get unstuck? So I'll give a personal example and I'll give a professional example. Okay. Personal example is I fell out of a routine of exercising in a very consistent way years ago, let's be honest. And then when I was involved, got hit by a pickup truck in May of 2020 and fractured my back and injured my ankle. I mean, exercise routine was out the window because I was just trying to recover, you know, and regain any strength and functionality. And so it was like exercise was like, yeah, nice eventually. And so I noticed that I had not been consistent. I was kind of making excuses for that. And so when I was at this retreat last week, we had two yoga classes, you know, first thing in the morning, there was a yoga instructor who was there on Tuesday and a Wednesday and or Wednesday and Thursday. And so I came back, I remember how good it felt to just expand and open up. And a lot of the times when we move our, but when we move our body, we move our mind, like move mm -hmm. the body to move the brain. And so I was in, there's Pel I'm a, we have a Peloton bike and there on the app, there's all these yoga classes that you can take. And there's another yoga channel called Yoga with Adrian, who's yoga videos I love. Um, they're all free on YouTube. And you can find so many things free on YouTube, never have to pay for a yoga class. But um, this particular app, I love the Peloton app because I can stream it to my TV. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I can pick the kind of music I want to listen to. And I'm like, all right, I've got 10 minutes or I've got 20 minutes or I've got a half hour. And I just put my yoga mat out the night before and put my clothes out the night before and mm. put the blocks out the night before. It's those little things that when I get up in the morning, I have less decision fatigue because I've already set the, set the environment to be conducive. And now I'm like, well, my clothes are already out. The mat's already on the floor. Like I might as well just, you were just gonna spend a half hour scrolling on social media anyway, Rachel. You might as well take a half hour and do something good for your body and your mind, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's like a personal unstucking. I would say that I'm getting back into that routine. Four days in a row, I've done yoga now. Congratulations. Thanks, you know, and I'll celebrate. It's like four days, it may not be 48 days or whatever, but hey, it's four days and I'm gonna do my best to keep a routine up, even if it's only 10 minutes a day. Like the consistency of the routine is more important than the duration of the exercise. Well said. So Atomic Habits, James Clear, would be a good place to get more on that for anyone who wants to dig into habit formation. And then the professional example was I was just speaking at a conference in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was with a group of executives, several hundred executives in the building service contracting industry. So mm -hmm. they run companies that do commercial cleaning and landscaping and security and facilities maintenance. 
And so they're working with people that are making, you know, $12, $13 an hour for the most yes. part, right? And the focus of my, t of my session was around what employees really want from work and what we can do to create workplace experiences that are more aligned with what people really want. And so the three mm. factors I talked about, and we can share in the show notes an article I've written about this before too, if you'd like. It was uh, cause, community, and career. So they want a sense of purpose. So I invite them, you know, share stories of purpose. They want a sense of community connection and belonging, and they want to work for an organization that supports their career growth and development. Mm. So what we did is we split the room in half, and for the last third or so of the experience, I was the closing keynote on the final day of the event. And so they got into groups, and one of the groups was focused on how, you know, how might we foster community connection and care in our organizations? What are we already doing that's working? What are some new ideas we might try? Then they get together and brainstorm and sticky notes and all that kind of stuff. And the other group is focused on how might we support people's career growth and development. And so as a result of doing this, they then come up with all these ideas. We capture and gathered them in a, you know, on Mentimeter, um, mm -hmm. an online, you know, polling platform to get all their responses and then sent those out afterwards. And there was a woman who came up to me after the uh, speech was over and she said, she's like, thank you so much for doing this. She wanted to get a picture. <laughs> This is like new to me that people want to get um, pictures together, but I'm like, yes, let's do it. And she said, I am walking away with so many great ideas and I'm feeling so energized and excited to bring this back to my company. And to me, what stood out from that comment is that as a speaker, it's easy to just get up on stage and tell your stories and then like expect people to walk away thinking you're awesome and feeling inspired. But people learn best when they're actively participating in an experience. And so because they got to share with each other and learn from their peers, the ideas that emerged from that were so much more relevant and, and likely impactful and interesting than anything I would have come up with as an outsider. You know, so just reminding people of their creativity by giving them an experience to use it is something that I think or any organization could be doing more of right now. And you can do that in person and you can do it virtually. And it never ceases to amaze me how, how prolific people can be with their ideas when you just ask the right kind of a question and invite them into that space. So one thing I can count on you from an idea standpoint, you're not only a, a, a fantastic speaker, as we can obviously hear, but you're also a gifted writer. And in many of the things that you post, you share resources. You've already shared another book, Atomic Habits. Um, right before we hit the record button, you introduced me to a new book mm -hmm. that I did not uh, know about. Uh, yeah. I think it's Flux. Is that correct? Yeah, Flux. I think the last, I think her, it's April Rinney, I guess her name is Rinney. Rin, I'm not sure. R-I-N-N-E is her, is her last name. So I have that. I've been reading that on my Kindle. And um, I think that's a good book to be reading right now just to explore your own thoughts and beliefs and uh, get new perspective on navigating navigating change. Like one of the things she talks about is how we tend to dislike change that is imposed upon us. Like if it's a change mm -hmm. that we choose, we're much more like, hey, I want to move or I want to change jobs or I want to get out of this relationship or I want to go on this trip or whatever. If it's a change we choose, it's generally there's less resistance. But if a change that was imposed upon us and we didn't have a say, we lose some of our sense of autonomy, that's when people can get defensive and a little crispy. <laughs> well, that's a good word, crispy. <laughs> you know, as we reflect on this conversation 
and you kind of were to say, gosh, Mike, if I was to summarize the things I really want the listeners to have as takeaways, what might some of those be? I would say to take a moment and to grab a pen and paper and to think about what are the experiences that generally help you to reset, to recharge, and to recalibrate. Anything that comes to mind, set a timer for two minutes and just give yourself or set a timer for three minutes or whatever, just set a timer and write down whatever comes to mind. And then look at that list and say, which of these things could I do more consistently? Which of these things would I be most excited to do in the next, in the next month? Which of these things could I do in the next week? Which of these things could I do today? And to start to break it down in that form and say, you know, what are some of the rhythms I want to create in my life? What are some of these rhythms of reflection or, or rest or, or pause that I want to integrate into my life more consistently? Which connects us back to the conversation around burnout last time, right? When we're not integrating these rhythms of rest, we tend to burn out. So I think just having a moment of honest self-reflection and giving yourself the space to come up with those ideas would be an important thing. And then I would challenge you, invite you, I would challenge, invite you to look at your calendar and then literally pick a date on which you're going to do one of those things and tell someone else about it, whether that's reaching out to somebody to make a plan for something so you feel more sense of accountability and it's harder to back out. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that would be one thing I would suggest would be to have that moment of reflection and commitment. And the other thing I would say is to recognize that going through change is hard. The brain hates change. My dad always says the only person who likes change is a baby in a wet diaper. Um, <laughs> I think is funny and uh, it's true like the brain is lazy the brain fundamentally wants what's familiar and consistent and anything that comes up as unfamiliar of I don't know what to do with this this is unfamiliar this does not look like the others the brain then has to work harder and we've been going through a lot of that in the past two years and so I think part of it is acknowledging how hard it is to do that to give yourself some grace and to acknowledge that, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I have, with the energy, resources, insight, perspective, experience, support available to me at any moment. I'm doing the best I can with what I have and so is everybody else. And to just give yourself a moment of grace, I think is so important in the midst of change. Um, if you'd like, I have one more very quick one I can offer. Please. i give them three. <laughs> Um, the last thing I would invite you to do is to think about a time in your life. I call this when one door closes, another opens. Think about a moment in your life where you went through an unexpected change that you did not like or want. And then write about what happened and write about an unexpected positive outcome that emerged from that experience that with perspective now you can look back on and see and appreciate and recognize. So those would be three things. There, a lot of them involve some degree of self-reflection and and, and pausing and doing all the things we're talking about today um, and making and committing and recommitting, you know, and then also giving yourself some grace and, and a reminder of the fact that you can get through things that are difficult and that there might be some potentially unexpected benefit to something that you're going through right now that's hard. You just use a phrase committing and recommitting. And you also use the terms, give yourself some grace. But what I'm hearing is that sometimes we try it and it doesn't work, but don't abandon it, that yeah. you need to try again, that we naturally will resist these new behaviors, even if they're good behaviors. Yep. Uh, that's our natural tendency. Mm -hmm. 
Rachel, in terms of if people want to learn more and reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that with you? How to reach you online? Yeah, best way, LinkedIn. It's where I'm most present most often, as you know. So <laughs> um, follow me. My LinkedIn is defaulted to follow. So if you want to connect, click the little three dots next to where it says more info or something. You can connect, send a message. Mike and I always love to hear, right, when someone listens to an episode and really has some insight from it that's beneficial. We love knowing. It's not weird. It's like we like when people reach out and tell us. So please, if you've been impacted by this episode, reach out and let us know. So LinkedIn would be a primary way. If you want to learn more about the classes I'm doing with um, Simon Sinek's company, you can just go to simonsinek.com and click on live online classes. And those are for individuals. And then if you want you know, to bring me into if I work with organizations, leaders and teams, conferences, associations, all that kind of stuff as a speaker, facilitator and trainer. And so the easiest way to do that, again, LinkedIn or on my website, unmutedlife.com, there's a place you can go where it's work with me and you could you know, book like a 15 or 20 minute discovery call if you have you know, an organization or association that you think would benefit from, from what I'm doing. So, and this is one of the things I talk about is how to navigate change and give people some confidence. Just like that one woman came up to me and said, wow, I, I kind of, I was feeling depleted and I was feeling overwhelmed and now I feel energized and equipped. Like that's, that's, what, that's what I want people to leave experiences of, with me thinking and, and feeling. So, yeah. so you've given us a number of ways that we can reach out to you. We will include those in the show notes. Okay. And for those listening and you say, gosh, this was a really great episode. I want to go find the other episode that she's on. I just kind of looked it up while you were speaking. Uh, it was episode number 29. We, this episode, I think, is going to be episode number 80. So oh. if you go back to the Bench Builder podcast archive, it's episode number 29, and you can hear that first installment that Rachel and I recorded um, over a year ago. Rachel, again, what a treat. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was, this was great. I hope that it gives people opportunity to pause and to, and to recalibrate and do something good for themselves. And uh, I always love talking to you. Well, it's mutual. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode on Apple, Google, and Spotify every Thursday. So if you've enjoyed this episode with Rachel, please subscribe. I've got a question for you, the listener. Is your company growing quickly? Are you worried that you won't have the right people and processes in place to handle that increased workload? Or maybe you're not sure if you've got the right planning systems in place. If you answered yes to any of those, let's talk. You can go to our website, bench-builders.com, to schedule a discovery call. We'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging problems so you can scale faster and smarter. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Rachel that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time. <laughs>